0: Hello and welcome to The Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach.
1: G'day everybody and welcome to The Coaching Podcast. I have the pleasure today of interviewing potentially one of the nicest people I know she's a colleague she's a friend she's an amazing tennis coach and the director of the shore and country club Carla McKenzie how are you
0: hi Emma so nice to see you thanks for having me on
1: All right. Well, Carla McKenzie, for those of you who don't know, because she is very humble, uh, was inducted to the Methodist University Athletic Hall of Fame. She is a PTR Master Professional and the 2019 PTR Coach Developer of the Year. Like, hello, amazing. I can't wait to talk to you about what makes a great coach developer. USPTA elite professional in the tennis world. She's done many other education, coaching certificates, even with Open Door Coaching, leader as coach. And she was a three-time All-American, two-time national doubles champion with Methodist University. I'll stop there, Carla, because I need to get into the show. You know, you are very humble. And so I want people to know that you are amazing uh so yeah you're not allowed to say otherwise so you just have to you just have to smile okay all right let's get into it the first question you know me is the Vegemite question you either love it or you dislike it what's your take
0: never tried it Emma but I've heard mixed reviews and I do look forward to trying it next January when we are down under
1: Yes. Well, actually, I'm going to be seeing you in May. To be honest, I'm going to bring some with me. Let's not wait for this experience for you. All right. In that case, okay, Carla, I'm going to go pineapple on a pizza. What do you think? Do you love it?
0: I like pineapple on a pizza, especially if there's some ham on there with it.
1: You can start with your best coaching moment at what might be a lesson or two. What are your thoughts?
0: So my best coaching moment, probably came two winters ago when I was mentoring a young coach that didn't have any proper training or coach education. Uh, She was rough around the edges and it was a real challenge for me to understand where she was coming from. We had opposite personalities, our communication and organizational skills were very different and we just didn't hit it off at first, Uh, but I, I trusted the process. I kept listening to her. And just try to get to know her as the person and understand, you know, what motivates her, what drives her. And once I discovered that, we started to make a lot of progress. And I guess the takeaway story is at the end of those 12 weeks, I'm pretty sure I learned more from her than she learned from me.
1: I love that because we never know what somebody is going to teach us. And I especially love it when little kids, you know, when you're doing something with super little kids and they end up saying something like, hey, coach, shouldn't the cone be over here? And you're like, uh, yes. <laughs> They're so much smarter than we are, but we can, we can learn so much from our our people. And one thing, again, I'm going to keep pumping up your tyres this whole episode because I I believe you are a great coach. It's why you're on the show. So the one thing I want to pick up on in what you said, Carla, is around rapport building and taking the time especially with these younger coaches for those listening I'm I'm a Gen X and the more we can understand what motivates the different generations without stereotyping per se the quicker we can build rapport as long as we give it time so it's a bit of an oxymoron isn't it you know we we want to build rapport quickly because we're all time poor but at the same token, you have to allow the time to get to know the person that you're working with. So I, that's an awesome story. Thanks for sharing that. What about on the flip side, mate, a, a coaching moment that didn't go well?
0: The, the first lesson I ever taught, I mean, I was 21 years old in college, working at a seasonal club in Connecticut, and I thought I was ready to coach. It looked easy. I was a good tennis player. I felt prepared. I had a few drills that I was going to do. Felt confident, and 10 minutes in, I realized I have no idea what I'm doing out here. I should give this person their money back right now. Uh, So, you know, the takeaway for me there was I need a good mentor, and I need some coach education now.
1: Immediately. Immediately. 101, I need an upgrade. I need to upskill and you do a lot of coach education. You do a lot of coaching the coaches, how to coach yourself. Now you prioritize that with your programs, which is absolutely fantastic. My very first lesson, Carla, I just looked at the the court next to me and I just copied. I was like, okay, they're doing this activity. I'm going to do that activity. They're doing this activity. I'm going to do that activity. And again, there was no through line. There was no, it felt like just that one activity, not connecting to the next, to the next, to the next. Uh, So there were many moments in chapter one where I can relate to, to what you shared. And one of the funniest stories about uh, a mutual coach that, that we know when this, when this coach first came off the tour, they, their game style was all serve and volley. And so they got out there with their 3.0 ladies doubles teams and, tried to make these people serve and volley and it was a disaster first lesson thinking, you know, I've come off the tour. I'm a good, you know, I'm a good player. This coaching game, it's easy. It's not so easy. So the importance of education. Thank you for that. What about a sliding doors moment?
0: I really haven't taken a hard right or left turn. I've My passion has always been tennis and I've always been able to, I've always been in the tennis industry in some form or fashion I've been a college professor for the Professional Tennis Management Program. I've owned a brick-and-mortar tennis retail shop. I've consulted for other clubs. I've been an assistant pro, head pro director. So although I've held different positions along the way, they have always been in the tennis industry. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it's been a gradual stretch, Mm -hmm. which also is, is
1: super important for our listeners to consider I've said this before on many other podcasts, but I've only ever met three girls where I said, you have to step up and win for Australia today. That's literally one every 10 years. Not many people can sort of jump in the deep end. And I am 100% of the philosophy and 99% of my clients. When we make that first step really easy, you know, as you said, just even the analogy of going from an assistant coach to a head coach, to a director, that doesn't just happen overnight it's a gradual stretch of building your years of experience would you would you agree with that philosophy
0: oh 100 i think when you're able to take those smaller steps you're going to see more progress in the in the long run and i've seen it happen you know working with a lot of coach developers they do get that bigger job too quickly and set themselves up for for failure and yeah okay what how old were you when you started playing tennis? Ten.
1: Mm, me too. It's interesting now how much younger people are starting and who introduced you to the game?
0: The high school coach at, um, you know, where I grew up, went to high school, came to a Little League baseball game and I was pitching that day. And I was, again, 10 years old and it was in the summer. I was going to kind of a day camp that I absolutely hated And he came up to me after the game and said, wow, you know, looks like you've got a pretty good arm. Would you like to learn tennis? And I said, can we start tomorrow? Because I really hate this day camp my parents have me enrolled in. And uh, he said, sure. So that's how I started.
1: Oh, That's a great story. Uh, What about our guiding question? I know you've answered this before and you uh, feature in what makes a great coach, Carla McKenzie. Uh, So actually I do have my book right here. I'm still very excited. So I'm going to pull up what you answered and I'm curious to know whether it has changed or whether you're going to respond the same in one to a maximum of three words. What do you think makes a great coach?
0: A coach that's able to adapt, a good listener, and an passionate coach. Um, so I can elaborate on each of those if you want. Yes, I would love that. Thank you. And before you do, so
1: you've in the book, your passion, listens, and relatable. So, okay, so there, you, there you go. So there's w- only one change to uh, to your answers, but I, you know, I think that's important as well because with our guiding question on the podcast. Uh, we have such an array of answers, of course, to the question. So I love when people are at different stages in their journey; different things become important. So, uh, yeah. So please go ahead. What do they mean to you?
0: So, just the ability to adapt under pressure is gold. I mean, when something goes off script or doesn't go as planned, can you adjust, tweak, modify without anyone knowing? That you are stressed about the situation, and and I feel that is a skill that all great coaches can do. And then listening, uh, some folks they just want to be heard, and if you can take the feedback and do something positive with it, then they feel they feel they've been heard. And our program here at the Shore and Country Club, you know, is it's grown over three hundred percent since I've been here, and it's only because I listened to the members' ideas. And the feedback they had, and all I did was implement them. That was it. And then for passion, you know, I think when people can tell that you love what you do, it becomes infectious. And before you know it, you you have a lot of passionate people surrounding you. And that's where you can thrive as a team.
1: Passion breeds passion. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it? Yeah. I think the way you lead by example. Obviously, I've been very fortunate to uh, be a part of the the Shoring Country Club the kickoff weekend uh, year in year out. And what I see that you you bring to the club is it's almost like a, as Judy Murray would say, a snowball effect. When the leader is passionate, when the coaches are passionate, and they want to be there. And I always say be in service to the sport uh, and our particular sport of tennis. All of a sudden, other people can't help but be passionate with you. I really feel that whenever I'm there and whenever you and I have an opportunity to work together. So what about your question for us? What question really sparks your curiosity?
0: I love... At, when we go to these conferences or tennis congress you know just sitting around and chatting about you know what are you currently doing at your club what is working well for you what situations you know are you facing that maybe you can share or any stories you can share that that may be beneficial to to the group um i knew i conducted two camps down in florida last february with marley woods and, and gary ennis which you know very well and after each day, we would spend an hour or more just recapping the day. What went well? And, hey, what can we do a little differently, a little better tomorrow? And just the conversations that stemmed from those two questions were so valuable. And I basically rewrote the model for my next camp in 2023. Um, so the, the takeaway is no matter how good the product is, you know, can it be just a little bit better? And that's something that we do every week uh, with my team at the club as well is take out every Tuesday night, we recap the week, hey, what did we do well? And then where, where do we need to make adjustments and where can we still improve and, and, and get better as a team? And just making those little adjustments and tweaks throughout the season can make a big difference. So what I want
1: to pick up on there is those two simple questions. So coaches listening – Don't underestimate the power of, A, starting with the positive. One of the things that I used to do is as soon as I'd finish a presentation, you know, a keynote, some sort of bigger talk to a larger audience, I would come off and immediately critique on everything I did wrong or I forgot this or I didn't do that, I had planned to do that. And just shifting the mindset, and I remember Marley Woods helped me do that, this particular day, I was in tears after this presentation. It really, really hit me and she just pulled me aside and I was just devastated about something that had happened. And she said, right, what did you do well? And I, I was like, I don't want to talk about that. She's like, <laughs> no, she she forced me to, to go there first. So I just want to pick up on that. And situations that you are facing when we can learn how other people deal with conflict uh, as an example, it can be so valuable. So let's go there. I remember you reaching out to me. This is many years ago now, around conflict. Mm-hmm. And you were having a situation at your club. Could you share that story?
0: Sure. I would say it was it's probably five years ago. Has it been that long? And it was we, we always have conflict. You know, there's there's it's gonna happen. And you're in the role that i'm in and i just really needed maybe um, a model or some advice on you know how do we approach this and and you shared the the formula with me and i've used it probably 10 times uh, since since that day and it it, it hasn't it has it hasn't filled me yet because kind of the the ending story is you know what what steps are we going to take moving forward? You know, and and that's I think as long as we can kind of meet in the middle and and find you know find an even ground, I think most people are happy.
1: Yeah, and should we share the formula with our listeners today? I mean, it is gold medal. You just said it has never failed you. It has never failed me, and this is literally coming from somebody who uh and, I'm talking about me, somebody who really doesn't like conflict. So I'm somebody that will avoid those conversations because I want everyone to be happy. I want everything to be always positive energy and and so forth. So it it is stood the test of time. Do you want me to share it or do you want to share it? so I
0: can I can do it.
1: Oh, I like it.
0: So, uh TFFI. We can fly.
1: Correct. That's right. it. Sounds like an airline, by the way. So, if everyone are thinking about how should I remember it, TFFI, we can fly. Sort of does it have a ring to it? I don't know. I'm
0: just, yeah. But I, I will tell you, too, it's same same as you in that before this formula, it was uncomfortable having these confrontations. And now I feel just like, yeah, let's, when's the next one? Let's go, you know? So, it's just kind of gives you the confidence to, to get through. Um, mm-hmm. Those conflicts and situations.
1: All right. First, so, what does it stand for?
0: So T. Uh, first one is topic. You know, what's the topic? What's the issue? Where are we having problems? And number two, you know, what what have we observed going on? What are the facts? Okay. Uh, number three, the the second F is feelings. You know, most people feel they, they they're usually hurt. Maybe they felt it was personal. You know, towards them. So. You know, what are, what are their feelings? What are my feelings? Um, and then the impact. You know, if, if we don't move forward from this, what what's the impact? Or if we do, what's the impact going to be? And then Great. the W.
1: So just in summary, topic, facts, feeling, impact. And one thing here I always suggest is you just take a breath. When you get to this point, usually it's that to get through those things without the other person um you know potentially wanting to answer back you know like our oh, facts oh that didn't happen or you didn't see that or so what you're also asking somebody to do is listen to everything that you have to say before inv- and you will invite them to reflect on what you have to say when you get through everything but when you get to that halfway point just take a breath which is not an invitation for them to jump in the space and then continue on so what's the next w stand for
0: want you know what what do they want from this Outcome, what do they want the outcome to be? And then con- contribution, what are they going to do to contribute? What am I going to do to contribute? And then moving forward, the next steps.
1: So- yep. Yeah. and again, that puts us in a future-based way of thinking. So when we're, you mentioned it earlier as well, about um, what can we do better next time? Or how can we improve tomorrow rather than staying uh, or dwelling in the present of what went wrong, it's a future-based focus uh, and you're sort of reinforcing what you want in terms of some of the the options in moving forward. And one more thing I will say about it, I don't know if you've experienced this too, Carla, but usually let's say if the person you're having a conversation with, if they've got their arms crossed, the minute you get to contribute, that is usually when when the arms drop or the body the body language shifts in the other person because you're acknowledging as well how you've contributed to the situation. So you didn't realize my standard at the Shore and Country Club of how I like, uh, you know, my coaches to work together. I, I I didn't make that clear or something along those lines. I know that's, that's not you, of course, but that's an example of how people then also, maybe acknowledge how they've contributed to the situation, uh, which is a really nice piece within the within the formula. So uh, so thank you for sharing that. Thank you for knowing it. I definitely put you on the spot there. <laughs> All right. One of your biggest mentors, uh, I believe was your high school coach. Uh, could you tell me why he was such a great coach?
0: He has been coaching for 50 or 60 years, you know, he's, he's in the North Carolina hall of fame for most wins. And you wonder how, you know, people are so successful and, and you just look at his, his model and he, he's never yelled at anyone that, that I've ever experienced, you know, a scene he's never, um, he's just very po- passionate. He loves tennis. He just wants, he's just a good person too, and has, you know, good morals good ethics and those things just rub off on on his players and he's just had a lot of good people good you know people play for him and and it's like that's you know good people attract good people you know so it's he's he's a legend and it's it's very hard to to describe him and and I've never met anyone else like him
1: what was his name John Fry John Fry shout out to John Awesome. Love that. How did you get started in being a clinician or a coach of the coaches?
0: So I I love doing certifications. I'm a certification junkie. So after about 15, 12 or 15 of them, I feel like I'm starting to get to where, you know, go to these conferences and and you kind of know exactly, you know, what's being presented. You're not learning as much anymore because you're kind of at the, at the top, you, you're still learning, but not the curve is a little smaller. And, you know, I just reached out to Brian Parkin and I said, Brian, you know, I'm in North Carolina. There's not a lot of places hosting workshops in, in that area. Uh, could I become a coach developer? I, I really have a passion for good coaching and I really want to help coaches develop in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, we can, go anywhere so Connecticut as well so he said sure you know and I started uh, doing some workshops did the training did did some workshops and I just I really love working with them it's you learn from them they learn from you you share drills you share ideas you share stories and that's probably the most fun thing about it
1: and what do you think makes a great coach developer the difference between coaching a adults really isn't it i mean most of our time as a as back in the tennis days you know, the bulk of your business can be juniors for example so what what's one of the differences you see in sort of adult education and and obviously you do a lot of work with adults as well i know at your club but could you sort of pinpoint the difference
0: i feel like the coaching coaching is coaching it doesn't matter if it's players or employees or coaches at the end of the day it's it's just it's still coaching and if they're open to growing and learning a lot of progress can be made right mm-hmm. and you what you see sometimes is you know, they didn't have a good mentor they don't have a lot of coach education so they've done it their way for years, you know, and they may have some bad habits, or maybe the information they're delivering is not always correct, right? So it's a matter of, of just helping them to understand. yay, yeah, maybe maybe we try it this way. Just give it a go, see, you know, see how it feels, and and then at the end of the day, oh man, I think I think you're right, you know. So it's it's hard sometimes changing that mentality a little bit or breaking into that mentality a little bit where i feel players are a little bit more receptive to it sometimes
1: the coaching podcast is sponsored by the samson agency a boutique talent agency managing entertainers artists and athletes you can learn more at the samsonagency.com and if you're interested in becoming a coach Check out opendoorcoachingusa.com for all our latest courses in Leader as Coach and our High Performance Workplace Coaching Certification. Now let's get back to the show. I think that coaching, and I know that you and I have had many conversations about this, is unlocking a person's own potential to maximize their performance versus a teaching pro who sometimes thinks that it's their job to teach and impart knowledge. And, you know, definitely I used to coach that way where I wanted to get everything out of my head as fast as I could, you know, and give it to the player, which is a, a very, uh, a very nice thing to want to do. But the minute I realized w- when I heard that definition of, of coaching, and, and as you said, doesn't matter if it's child, doesn't matter if it's an adult, or doesn't matter if I'm coaching coaches how to coach, how can you bring that out in somebody without telling them. And you mentioned one technique by saying, here, give this a go. You're not saying do it this way. You're saying be curious to try this activity and see what comes up, see how the players respond, see how the the adults respond. It's a really important coaching tool to be cognizant of. Tell me about what do you think makes a great leader?
0: Communication, organisation. Integrity, you yeah. know, being honest upfront with with your with your team. When mistakes happen for us, it's it's usually lack of communication. Like someone didn't get the message, or someone got double booked. So that comes down to organization. You know, is is how how do these things happen, and how can we keep them from happening? And a good leader too. Uh, again, leads by example. So we work, you know, really, really hard, long days. And if I'm out there doing the courts at 8:30 at night, you know, they're going to be out there with me. So I don't expect them to do things that that I'm not going to do. And sometimes I, I have to be careful and manage my time in other places. But at the same time, I think a leader. It's just they're not afraid to take out the trash. They're not afraid to go the extra mile, you know, for, the, for their staff.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's uh, such an important skill, isn't it, that we need to always remember. I Somebody described it on a podcast recently as the shadow leader. We don't realize the shadow that we cast and what everybody sees because they see everything even if you sure. mumble under your breath on the way out of a meeting or what would you say forms part of your coaching philosophy? Like I know you've got a group of young coaches that are about to to come into your club. Uh, you know, what would you say are your top three things that you would love to impart on these, these young minds?
0: You know, what is the environment that we're trying to create here? You know, what is our purpose? Why why are we here? And, and what can I help you with? You know, is there is there anything I can help you do to grow as a person, grow as a coach? Those are really the, the three big things. Mm.
1: Which yeah, know. which comes back to when you just simply ask somebody, you know, what can I help you with? all of a sudden you're getting to know what motivates them and what drives them indirectly, even in, you know, in what they pick up on what you hear them saying and knowing your purpose, having your why in the environment that you want to create, it's so important. And you and I, because you've done leader as coach, you know, as as a coach, we do want to limit our why questions. We don't want to ask a lot of, hey, why why'd you miss our ball or uh, because that can cause the people responding to play what we call below the line where they, they might blame, they might justify and they might even deny sort of their, their behavior. Uh, Whereas when we ask what questions, who questions, how questions, it elicits a totally different response. Yet as a coach, we must always know our why. Right back to what you said at the start, and it's not always what we think. So we set up a drill. Hey, you know, like what was the purpose of that activity? And and the players come back and tell you something completely different to what you had set up. Uh, I love saying, yeah, that's really insightful. And what else? It's one of my favorite little, little coaching tips. All right. So let's finish uh, on education, the importance of education. You said it before you're an educational junkie. Uh, what has been one of the most impactful pieces of education you've done and what's next for you?
0: Probably the most impactful was the the MOT program from the PTR and working with Dr. Ann Pankhurst. Uh, I think you know her uh, as well. And just the research that she shared, uh, the knowledge that she shared, uh, I've probably used that information more than than anything else um but each each certification you know you you get one takeaway and and implement it here one takeaway implement it here so so all of them have have their place for sure but that was one of the best programs I'd ever done and that's the first time I had ever recorded myself coaching reviewed it and said oh wow you know we have some work to do here (laughs) so that was one of the the greatest takeaways and I would encourage every coach to do that if they have not record yourself coaching and again what went well where where what what can be improved upon you know what what can we develop here so and what's next for me um so this this winter I we've got a new software system court reserve so I have been just each day, you know, what can I learn within this software that's going to make my life easier, make me more organized. So I'm really trying to learn that software inside and out at the moment. And every every winter, I choose one thing that, that I really want to, you know, try to try to accomplish. It's been negotiation. You know, sometimes it's a leadership course. It, it might be a, another course in management or anything. So always looking to learn one more thing.
1: What would you say to any coach out there listening who maybe uh, doesn't have the confidence to, you know, maybe they're more introvert or more reserved and, you know, just feeling a little bit like not sure of taking the next step into coaching as a career. Uh, What advice would you have for that person?
0: So I, I did have a, a mentor mentee at one point was was very very quiet and i told him and he, he wanted a, a job in, in coaching and so i sent him to a, a very tough place to work and i said just smile ask people how they're doing get to know them and everything else will be will be just fine you know, but you you gotta you gotta get to know the person reach out to them speak to them keep smiling everything's going to be fine. And he said, that's like the best advice you ever gave me. Because, again, he would he would go out, be very quiet, and I said, you just you can't do it. Just get to know him, talk to him. And um, he's been yeah. very successful.
1: Yeah, because it's not like a coach has to be a rah-rah. You don't have to be a high-energy coach, right? Mm-hmm. Some of us are, but some of us also have a really brilliant way of – you know, using your own personality to be able to bring out the best in somebody. So Carla, finally, could you share your recruiting process? So if you are looking for a young pro to come to your club, what do you look for in a, in a coach?
0: So I start with folks that have worked with me in the past. And so they know what to expect. They know the workload. They know the demands. They know me as a person and, and what I expect. And I, I just start with, with good people, right? And I've had a lot of success of hiring good people with good personalities and that have a growth mindset. And if, if I can find those three characteristics in people, I can train them to do anything else. Um, so I, I asked the, the good folks that have worked with me before have been very successful with me. Do you recommend anyone? Do you have anyone? Do you know anyone? And they always do. And that's how I build my staff. I do not uh, post it anywhere, promote it anywhere. It's all uh, word of mouth from people who have worked with me in the past.
1: Yeah, it's so powerful, isn't it? the impression that you leave on somebody to get a reference, you never know when that person's going to come back in your life or have them refer you on to someone else. So that's really great advice for for people out there and character and growth mindset, so important. So with passion, uh, it's been a pleasure listening to you. And finally, just on adaptation, uh, of course, we, by the time this episode comes out, we will have put your members through, uh, perform with pressure. So just a quick little reframe on rather than perform under pressure, perform with pressure. So how do we embrace pressure? Uh, We're going to be putting them in all, all sorts of scoring scenarios for them to be able to adapt. Being able to adapt not just makes a great coach, makes a great player and makes a great person. Carla McKenzie, thank you so much for having me at the Shore and Country Club. I'm so excited and I can't wait to hang out and just talk coaching with you. Thanks for being on the show, mate. Thank you, Belma. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Coaching Podcast, please share it with a fellow coach and thanks for listening.